to How Have You Not Seen That? My name is Wilson. I'm Charles. And I'm Crossman. This is a podcast where we discuss movies we have not seen before, specifically movies that are holes in our film viewing experience that we may have been dishonest about in the past, told people we have seen, or made people believe we have seen them when we perhaps haven't in an effort to seem more informed, more cool, more with it. This uh, week we watched Footloose, which was Crossman's selection. So Crossman, tell us about Footloose. Uh, it's a dance movie. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Footloose is set in a loosely western town. It looks like Idaho, maybe, I guess, or Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the uh, Kevin Bacon is our main character. He's a teen. He comes to town. Uh, it looks like he's living with some relatives, uh, and he starts going to this school. And uh, there's a very conservative uh, religious leader in town played by uh, John Lithgow. Uh, and they've uh, apparently banned dancing in this, in this town. And Kevin Bacon loves to dance and <laughs> wants to bring dance to this community. And he sort of falls in with a group of teens who he kind of like liberates through dance. Uh, one of which is Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm. And then some random other like '80s teen actors, uh, they go dancing and they really <laughs> like it. And then he convinces uh, the high school to uh, host a prom, but they're not allowed to host in this town. And he goes to the city council and gives like a very passionate speech about dance and its like intersections with religion. Mm-hmm. And the city council like shoots us down, but we learn that John Lithgow even though he's like a very conservative religious leader, he feels like he's misguiding people to an extreme level and kind of feels bad about this, but doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> and then they host the prom in like a nearby town. Yes. And everybody gets feel loose. And, and <laughs> after a brief fight in the parking lot. Yeah. And John Lithgow <laughs> privately admits to his wife that he's wrong. Right. And, and, and that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. Um, I th- I thought I'd seen this before, but I think I was wrong. I think I'd only oh, yeah. seen bits and pieces of it. There was a remake, yeah, uh, a few years ago, which apparently is good. Yes, I learned it that was... while looking for this movie on Google. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. it came up a lot. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't know anything about the the remake. It's it's it good. I I, I have seen not it, seen you heard it. it. Was good. It's well reviewed. Okay, okay. Right. What do you think of this one, Charles? Um. I think it was maybe unfair to have this one right after Dirty Dancing. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't like we watched these much. in the wrong order. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. This also came before Dirty Dancing, I think. That's fair. Um, but this just seemed like an inferior movie to Dirty Dancing in like every way. Every way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm glad yeah. you guys agree I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, you're not. I thought this movie was terrible. Yeah. So bad. It's, One of the worst we've watched in a while. Like, I thought it was really uh, bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I personally found it kind of harmless, but... Uh, I, mean, I mean, sure, it's harmless. It's, yeah. it's also, like, re- really dysfunctional on nearly yeah. every, every level. It doesn't make sense. Yes, that's true. Uh, and I, I don't know if I missed it, but I felt like the concept that dancing is illegal in the town... I, I never, like, I knew that that was in the story, just having known 80s culture. Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like it was properly introduced to me as a concept in the film until late. 
Yeah, I feel like it's... I don't know if I, like, missed something, or... I thought I remembered them talking about it being illegal throughout the movie, and then Kevin Bacon's character is all upset about it. Yeah. There's a whole scene where he goes off to an abandoned warehouse just to dance alone. Angry dance, Yeah, yeah, and that was only, like, halfway through the movie, so I think that they already introduced it by that point. Yeah, I think what I remember is he has that conversation in the cafeteria with uh, the good guy, Eddie, from Reservoir Dogs. Yes. And that, I think, is when it first comes out. Uh-huh. Um, okay. But, yeah, which was relatively early on for me. Um, nonetheless, it is stated kind of matter-of-factly, like, yeah, of course we can't dance here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that wasn't explained adequately or really how that came about or why this preacher seems to have it's, all political power in yeah. this town, period. It's implied that it's because his son right. died. Right. It's unclear why they then got to... Let's ban dancing. He must have danced himself to death. Yeah. No, we know that he died in a car accident. Yes. I think the story was that they had like a dance party somewhere and he died in a car accident on the way back from it. Yes. So then the father blamed the dancing, of course. Okay. The rock and roll music. Yeah. I guess I missed a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to do because the story is so poorly told. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it is, the script's just all over the place. It's really poorly structured. There are scenes that happen like four or five times and then other necessary scenes that like aren't in the movie. Yeah. Like it's just such a, a mess on a structural level. Of course, you couldn't follow it. There's yeah. a involved subplot where one of the main uh, teens, like her boyfriend, is like the cool guy in town, and right. like Kevin Bacon like defeats him through a Tractor series fights. of like being <laughs> yeah, being cooler. Yes, and that whole like be plot was confusing and like disorienting yeah, like and the not, lamest fight not, not necessary my favorite part about that last fight in the parking lot before the prom yeah is they they like you know roll up on nice guy eddie yes and like beat him up for a little while and kevin bacon's like oh yeah you can do that when it's five on one and then kevin bacon shows up and it's or when it's and then it's five on two and they still and they beat him all. He just needed the one more guy. Like that was the difference. Yeah. Well, he knows dance fighting. He knows dance yeah. fighting, and the yeah. other guys suck. I, it's, uh, yeah, that yeah. yeah that plot line was was utter nonsense. And also, I just pieced together the irony that they're all concerned about dancing, but these teens are like jousting tractors. Yep. And there's a scene at the beginning where that I actually forgot about where the. <laughs> Where the girl like moves to the other car while they're driving, and they almost yeah. get run over by a truck. Like, you got bigger problems than dancing. If your kids are doing this shit. Like, yeah, that was a truly crazy thing to do. Their fights are quite violent too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when the boyfriend like lays his hands on his now ex. Yeah, it's pretty violent. He like beats the shit out of her. And she yeah. has a bruise for like several scenes after that. Yeah, yeah. And and the pre-prom fight is. Uh, quite violent as well right like that and then one of them ends up with a big steel pipe yeah yeah and then they like casually dance into prom at the end and then like the end. like no big deal like they just had like a pretty gruesome like street they were, they were fight assaulted by five people kind of like weapons. A, akin to like anchorman yeah yeah, uh, yeah exactly. sure uh um, mentioned the pipe and i thought of anchorman it, yeah 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 that was pretty wild um I was reminded of Heather's in that opening sequence. I was yeah. like, this, is this girl suicidal? Like, this, it literally have a death wish? And then they, like, yeah. don't pursue that at all either. I don't know why that scene was there. 
He did establish her relationship with the the guy, I guess. Right, and it showed that she was like, because that's the the preacher's daughter. Yeah, and it shows her as like she's kind of a wild one. Right, he's rebelling against dad and all that. Yeah, Uh, but then they establish that again in like the following scene when she like lies to him and goes out to dance to the rock and roll music anyway. Um, So yeah, it was just it was quite the stunt, if nothing else. (laughs) It was. They they didn't have to do that. Someone did that. Um, there are a lot of good stunt actors in this movie. Uh, sure. Kevin Bacon's dance actor is a hell of a dancer. Yeah, Whoever that is. Yeah. Invested. Yeah. <laughs> Although player. it was still funny seeing the dance scenes in this one and comparing it to like how well they danced in Dirty Dancing. Yes. Like, you know, I always say I don't know how to evaluate dancing, but it still felt like night and day to me. Yeah. Just remember Dirty Dancing. I, I agree. There, whoever was Kevin Bacon's dance double was like clearly also a gymnast and they felt almost more yeah. in the gymnast side of like they literally dancing. had him doing like the like the spinning on the pole yeah yeah like the crossbar yeah he did like a like a no hands like front flip yeah and like the uneven bars yeah 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 and yeah. it was just like wow this person's really athletic yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not dancing. Yeah, say. yeah, <laughs> in a way that Kevin Bacon is not. Um, <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, like, it, and it has. I think so much has to do with how they shot it, right? Like, the dancing in Dirty Dancing looks better, a because Swayze and his partner are clearly much better dancers than anybody in this movie. Yes, but also like that one, they just stuck the camera there and they dance in front they of the camera. Dance. Yeah. Right, and this one, there's lots of cuts. They're moving the camera all the time. Like yeah. half the time, they're dancing in shadow or like go, running behind a thing or whatever. They're dancing all around a warehouse. Right, a, like uh, you can't see them clearly. There's all sorts of effects on the camera that's con- that are concealing things. And it's like the reason they're doing that is because they have things to it, hide. Right? Yeah, like the, the dancing is in its cut. Yeah. And, and just yeah. like comparing action movies is kind of funny. It is. I mean, it, in, in terms of like the physicality of it, it's just like that. Yeah. It, it's almost identical. It's like, yeah, you you can tell when the product is good when they want to show you the product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want to show you how well they're dancing. And, and this time they they did everything they could to conceal it. Yeah. 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 Um, that being said, I, I did like some of the acting here. Ooh, I think when like, Kevin Bacon... Is like acting actually don't mind and John Lithgow, he's always good. love him, love him. Yeah, Lithgow like, was anytime I see Lithgow, I'm like on board. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, he's always great, just period, in, in in general. And he was good here too. I liked Laurie Singer, the um, preacher's daughter character. Like there was like a she's a good. craziness to that performance that I, I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed. Yeah. I thought Kevin Bacon was terrible. Really, I, yeah. I actually liked him. Oh no, yeah. I thought he was really stiff and disinterested in, in this performance. It, it really felt like he was kind of sleepwalking through this role for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like him here. I, I, I liked him as kind of like a mopey teen character. He, it, it, to me, uh, he, he came across mopey. as just bored. Like, okay. it, to me, he felt like he was just bored the entire time. Yeah. Even when he's giving his like nonsense and passion speech yeah. to, the, to the board. Uh, yeah, it, there was no way to it. There was no way to it. Because again, it wasn't written very well, but also like yeah. it wasn't performed very well either. And Small wonder it wasn't that dramatic. Uh, I liked it, uh, Diane Weist. Yes, uh, I'll get another one. It's always good. Yeah, yeah. She's the mom. Oh yeah. Uh, of the Laurie Singer character. Yeah, Laurie Singer. Yeah. And she's she doesn't have a lot to do here, but the like four scenes that she's in, she's great. She's just she's a good more actor. like telling the preacher that he's gone too far. Right? Yeah, and it's well, yeah, like that had 
an emotional weight to it that felt out of place in this movie. Yes. Uh, that's true. Know, that's true. I noticed yeah. that. Now yeah. that you mention it. Yes. A movie that is an emotional void. In yeah. Any other yeah. Sense. It was yeah. like, wow, these like two really good actors are like really bringing it for this, this bullshit. I, I remember yeah. sitting there and being like, wait, is this scene effective? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we don't, we don't, we never see the brother that died. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it's clearly had a big effect on these characters and they do a good job of like communicating that when the important thing that happened happened off screen right well because the important it's like how it affects Lithgow is the important thing yeah and he communicates that well so well yeah which is especially challenging because this is a bad script there's like four (laughs) scenes in a row that are just like people asking him to not be such a dick all the time and then he like decides not to be after like the fourth or fifth time he's asked not to and then he has like these like whiplash moments where he's like upset about book burning and that doesn't you know follow in an appropriate order from his transition to accepting dancing it didn't feel like he reacted to that even though it seemed like the movie was implying that he was and then he kind of didn't it was weird right because it it essentially pulled it out of order like like he's being implored by laurie singer whoever to like come around on dancing and he says no yeah and then dude shows up and says we're gonna burn all the books and he's like maybe that's not a great idea and then there's three more scenes that are him saying no no dancing's bad and then another one where he doesn't like book burning anymore and it's like where are they going with this like yeah. what is yeah. this character arc I'm like how does how does this fit together in a coherent way yeah, yeah and I, I i so it's impossible to track his character and and that he that lithgow is able to put together anything coherent out of all that is really a testament to his talent. And, yeah. and there's no moment of like where it pays off. Cause right. he, like in private, he tells his wife, I'm, I've been a bad person and I need to right. change. And it's like, oh, shouldn't you tell that to your daughter? Your daughter. Who's like, yeah. you're like feeling the effects of this. Yes, exactly. And if the answer is no, mm-hmm. then did you change anything? Yeah, so there's no and, like, there's no satisfaction, yeah. right? There's no catharsis or anything from turning him over. Yeah, exactly. You just have this like side conversation. It's like an afterthought. The they're, whole point of the movie is an afterthought. They're like yeah. on the side of the highway near the dance. <laughs> yeah, like good enough. And, and it was like their psychic like energy was meant to like <laughs> right. seep into the dance. It's, it, says, it says though the movie is literally saying they're close enough. Yeah, well <laughs> that there's the case. one guy and I don't know how to like place him in this film. He's like Kevin Bacon's boss. Oh yeah. Who like provides the dance uh, space. Yes. And he's like And like the scheme to like the idea to Yeah, he's like, there. he's like the one adult voice of reason in the movie where he's like, maybe they're fine. <laughs> yeah. And he sneaks into that scene and is like You've done a good job here. Yeah. <laughs> you have his blessing of the only normal adult in this movie. Right. <laughs> and I guess what he means is, like, you didn't stop this from happening. I guess. So, therefore, like, you've evolved or... I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that's what the movie's trying to tell us. But I, I guess so, too. But, it, like, it, it seems to go out of its way to avoid, like, large dramatic moments. Right? Because, like, there yeah, is Which is hilarious because it's fine showing... The movie is fine with showing, like... A woman getting beaten up, yeah, which is like, like incredibly dramatic. Opening with an uh, nearly a, a suicide scene, right? Like, yeah, like it's okay with that. I, I was waiting for a moment when they like go to a secret dance somewhere and then get busted by the cops and like someone gets beat up or arrested or something, and like there's a showdown between like the father confronting either Kevin Bacon or Laurie Singer or something like that, and that just never happens. There's never a moment where the kids just break the rules until the very very end when the rules don't matter anymore anyway yeah 
And like the, the, the Kevin Rebel Boy Kevin Bacon's idea of breaking the rules is writing a speech that cites the Bible and reading it at a town council meeting. It's like, what the hell is that? Like, how is that? It, it, how is that dramatic? How is that anything in line with the, the character you've been trying to communicate to us? And like, that feels like a huge missed opportunity, yeah. especially because that scene was just so inert and boring. And there's no payoff to it. Yeah. The vote of the city council, which they vote to not. Uh, on band dancing, yeah. happens off screen. They just like go to the next scene. They're like, it, it, right, it, and, yeah, and, that's a shame. What happened? And they already have the plan to like. When do, that would be the emotional payoff, right? Like, the, yeah. Or they have the plan to have the prom at this barn or whatever before that scene happens. So it's not like the plan to break the rule is in response to them being denied a rule change. Yeah, like <laughs> they were already doing that. Yeah. So yeah. everything's like, still just out of order. It is just yeah. This movie feels like it's My literally God. out of order. Yeah. If if it had been. We petition the board to change this rule. They say no, and they say, oh, goddamn board, fuck them. We're going to dance anyway. Fine, but they'd already done that and then petitioned. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. That, that, that felt like a big, a big miss and a big mistake on, on the script level, like on the, yeah. uh, the level of the writing. And that's. So, so I, guess the, I guess the big question is why is this movie so popular? That is a good question. It's so off-reference. Yeah. I mean, even this year in, I think, I think in Endgame or Infinity War, we got a Footloose reference. That sounds right. One of them. Because I think Star-Lord loves Footloose and then, like, Spider-Man digs at him for it. He's like, it's not even the best movie of 1984. Definitely true. Yeah. Spider-Man's right. High five, Spider-Man. Probably wasn't even the best movie of whatever month it came out of in 1984. Yeah. Yeah, I'm confused. Yeah, I, I, purely a nostalgia, I guess. Part, like people like the song. That's it. I think it has a lot to do with Kenny Lockins. Yeah. <laughs> like I think so much. And actually, it. I was like, that dude's a master. Yeah. Uh, I, I, by the end of the movie, I was annoyed by the song. And, yeah, I am. Yeah. I never liked it in the first place. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like, I if it didn't have lyrics, I think it would be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lyrics are very goofy. Oh, so weird. They're awful. Yeah. Kick off your Sunday shoes. Oh, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Um, so I think that's a part of it, and like the soundtrack in general. There's a lot of like there were a few bangers on there, right? So. But it, all the needle drops felt really absurd, because <laughs> like, they're all like meaning these, like when the when the music just comes in, right? And yeah. it's like here's the yeah. song for the tractor fight. <laughs> it's the um, I need a hero. Yeah, I need song. a hero. It's yeah, like, what? <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Yeah, <laughs> this is he heroically driving a tractor off yeah. the road? Like, what the hell is this? Uh, and same thing, like, like he they have that needle drop where he's doing his angry dance in the barn, and it's like kind of a wiener song. I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, it didn't I can't remember it, exactly. But it, it felt like you know lame. It just felt lame, mm-hmm. and so many of the, those big moments, it's just like these kind of lame songs. Yeah, that are catchy, but also like. I don't associate with anything powerful. Yeah, and again, like in comparison to Dirty Dancing, what they did in that movie was they they did not use music of the '80s, right? The, until the, the end, until the very end. Yeah. Um, and all the songs that they did take were like already classics. And, yeah, they yeah. picked good songs. Yeah, yeah, and they placed them appropriately. Yeah, in the movie. Um, yeah, it, I'm actually glad we watched this after Dirty Dancing because the, yeah. the point of comparison is so clear. Like it's just it. It provides so many opportunities to see, mm-hmm. like, what a good script does yeah. for a movie. Right? Yeah, and I think you described this when we watched Dirty Dancing that like every scene is like a little piece to the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely of, critical of that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and here it's like, I mean, not like, not only is it told out of order, 
but like there are so many unnecessary moments in this movie. Yeah. Right. Like there, there, there really are like three scenes in a row where someone walks up to Lithgow and says like, maybe you shouldn't do this dancing thing, and he says no, and like, that's <laughs> the scene. And like, we yeah. need that once, maybe twice, yeah. Yeah. if there's some turn in the character, and that that isn't what happens here. You compare it to Dirty Dancing, and we have like the with the scene, like it could compare like the Swayze relationship with the father, right? Like mm -hmm. that whole thing plays out over the course of like, what, three, four scenes maybe? Yeah. And a lot of times there's other information in that scene. And and, and that is, a, and it's just, it's much more effective than this movie. And I think that that is educational. Yeah, it's very, Noting that is useful. Very complex too. Mm -hmm. Whereas like here, I think they were striving for like a complex thing, but they would have been rewarded by like simplifying a lot of what's happening here. Yes. Uh, like the arc of Lithgow, I think is really important. Right. I and, mean, and he's your best actor. Utilize him. Yeah. yeah. And I would say like go one way or the other, like make him like really extreme mm -hmm. or make him do something extreme and then realize that he's like gone too far. Yeah. Like he should have been the book burning guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or something. Yeah. Right. Or there should have been a moment. Like, yeah. like if he's, if book burning is the turning point for him. Yeah. Right. Like he associates that with Nazis or something, whatever. And then, then he sees it and he realizes the connection between book burning and what he's doing. And then in the next scene, he changes his mind, like in public yeah. to the people around him. Like yeah. that's, that's catharsis. That would work. Yeah. You, you see a turn in the character, a reason for that turn, and the effect that it has on the other people. Yeah, part of it, he's too, like, likable. Like, yeah. early in the movie, he's, like, teaching, like, Bible school to kids, mm -hmm. which could be, like, like weird and, like, uh, like, the way that they're being indoctrinated. Right. But he comes across as, like, really likable in that scene. Like, he's really good with kids. He's and, a, like, he's, he's not an extremist. Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, interested in, like, the actual lessons of, of the thing. Right. And which is incoherent with like someone who's like so domineering of this town and his family and mm -hmm. like he's shown to be like a kind of a bad father. Yep. And it's incoherent with that because he's so good with kids. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, how does that make sense? Or if you yeah, want to do that, like then the character needs to be about that incoherence. Yeah. It has to be about like there's contradictions in this man. Like we need to unpack that, and the movie isn't interested in that either. I think the yeah. closest they got was when uh, the wife was talking to him, and she said that he's very good at like the big sermons, but right. needs to work on the one-on-one -on -one or whatever the quote was. Sure. And like, I mean, that doesn't really do anything. Right. I mean, it speaks to a complexity in the character, I guess. But yeah. then we need to see it dramatized. Yeah. Right. It can't just be a line. There is a yeah. scene though late in the movie when he's like doing like a fire and brimstone mm -hmm. like warm up, and he's so good in that scene. He's so good. Yeah. He's just a great actor. Yeah, and yeah. it's a good scene with uh, the woman who plays his daughter. Laura Singer. Too. Like, they play off each other really well. Yeah, she's and great. That's a good scene. Like, that mm -hmm. is cool. Yeah. It, 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 the, I mean, yeah. When, and then when the movie's not doing that, like, they're giving Lithgow a lot of material that doesn't make sense together. Yeah. It, contrast that with the Fast Eddie character. I, I don't know the character's name or the actor's name, so I'm just going to... You mean, uh, was it Chris Penn? Is that his name? I think so. Okay. Isn't it Sean Penn's brother? He like oh maybe kind of he he died like a little while ago. Really? Oh, okay, that's too bad. But yeah. the guy from Reservoir Dogs, that yeah. guy. So like he buddies up with Kevin Bacon. It seems like this movie is going to be like their buddy story. Yes. They have a moment where he like refuses to dance, and then Kevin Bacon teaches him to dance, and there's a long montage. Yes. Of him learning to dance, 
and that is the end of his story. <laughs> that's yeah. basically it, and that's like halfway through the movie. Also, it's yeah. like when when they're doing that story, it's like, oh, I like this. This is right. Like, it's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, this, this is, is cute. something's I, happening. I get it. Right. Yeah, it's like, like a cool like teen movie. It makes sense for the '80s. It's a training montage. Right. Totally yeah. get it. it. Like he's a funny actor, so it works. And the only payoff is like at the very very end of the movie, he dances. Lots of like good like physical humor in those scenes yeah. too, where he's like doesn't know the timing and he's like way off. Right, you see him progress and get better, and like they have a thing, and like yeah. yeah, it it that sequence in itself works. How it fits into the rest of the movie, utter nonsense. <laughs> like just <laughs> they just drop it after that. And like, yeah, I mean you could use it as like showing the importance of dance to these teens and you know, right, the meaning like, it gives them or their inv- individuality or whatever, but they don't. They don't do that. Well, and it, what it's what I, I thought they were setting up yeah. is okay. He's teaching these kids how to dance, and now they start caring about dance, so they care that it's banned. And yeah. when they rebel against the rules, there's like a reason for their rebellion, and like something mm-hmm. that they there's a, a motivation there. But again, the rebellion yeah. portion of this movie is nonsense, yeah. as we talked about earlier. So all that setup doesn't do anything. Yeah. Doesn't add up. Uh, the other incoherent part of this is. We get to the prom. Mm-hmm. No one is dancing. Right? Yes. Uh, like all the teens. They don't know how to. They yet. have like. They st- need Kevin Bacon to lead them into it. They have. So they have like a teen like <laughs> sort of stage fright moment. Right. And then when they do start dancing, they're incredible dancers. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so what the hell like, is this? Right. So why? Don't why, get people why, why literally like break dancing. Like really good. Like yeah. Break, for, that's like really hard for do. the era. Like really good. Yeah. Like break dancing. <laughs> Um, which would have been like incredibly modern at that time, right? And it's incoherent because, like, wait, are, so are they practicing, and we're they're just off screen, and right? They're really good dancers. I, I don't know well, why. Say, why are they so good at dancing? Right, or or is it like a <laughs> musical logic where like you you um, like enter a, a space like adjacent to the reality where everybody is singing <laughs> and dancing all the time, and they're very good at it. There, there is a Broadway musical for this movie. I'm sure there yeah. is. Okay. There's a Broadway musical for damn near everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, maybe that would make more sense if this were just actually a musical. Um, I don't know. But yes, you're correct. I noted that as well. It was like, here's this movie about dancing where there's, you know, 60 people on a dance floor standing. Is that is that the story we want to be telling? Is that the, the message here? Uh, so yeah, that part also was frustrating. Incoherent. Incoherent. Was yeah. was this movie a hit like immediately? I I, I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I I, I wonder like because that that plays into how it like became so big in our like cultural lexicon. Yeah. I mean I don't know because it's not even one of those bad movies that's like fun to watch. It's not fun to watch. Right. Yeah, like, that's how I felt. Yeah. I, I was watching this with my girlfriend and she fell asleep partway through. <laughs> I had to restart. I fell asleep. Right, yeah. and she woke yeah. up, and she's like, "Oh, what did I miss?" And I was like, "I don't know." Nothing. Yeah, it's like nothing. And like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's not a. It's not like people are gonna enjoy it for camp reasons or anything. I. I don't know. It's not even fun. So I, I don't and get it. People are still referencing it now. I wonder if it's because it's just like a very easy to watch like family-friendly style film. What if like, there's a million of those that don't suck? Well, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> but like, this is one that people have talked about, so it just got grandfathered in somehow. I right. Don't know. I mean, I think part of it might be that like the logline premise of it is so absurd. Yeah. Right? Like a town bands dancing. Right? Like that's a crazy idea. Yeah. Right? And, like if you wanted to make a movie about it. But it could be interesting. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy in a good way. Right? Yeah. Like it could be funny and weird and bizarre. 
Yeah. Right. It, and they could, you could do that. They somehow find the most boring middle ground. Yes. Right. And instead, they make this incredibly dull movie. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly does have a, a following. They made a Broadway show out of it. Okay. It says, so film, and a recent remake. Film received mixed reviews. Roger Ebert said it was a seriously confused movie that tries to do three things and does all of them badly. <laughs> Sounds about right. It wants to tell the story of a conflict in a town. It wants to introduce some flashy teenage characters and part of the time it wants to be a music video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he pretty much nailed it there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Robert. Uh, box office. Despite mixed reviews, the film grossed $80 million. And that's well, like $1980. Early $1980. So, so, that's, so that's, that's a big hit. hit. It's wow. huge, yeah. That's a monster hit. Oh my god. Is it just the strength of Kenny Loggins? <laughs> it, it really might be. Yeah, because it, the Rotten Tomatoes, it's at yeah. like 51% or something. Like, huh. it's not well regarded in the critical community. Like, people watch this movie and correctly recognize that it's not very good. So, it's not that. It's not like people misunderstood it. Oh, the, the other banger was uh, Let's Hear It for the Boy oh, yeah. by Denise Williams. That's actually a good song. So good. Yeah, that's it's a so very good. good song. Yeah. Yeah. That's a better song than Footloose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's from this movie? Um, no, it's just on the soundtrack. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I was say, yeah. I also saw in here that this is like loosely a real... It's like based very loosely on this town that like banned dancing in the late 1800s. Oh. Um, because like heavy drinking was an issue in the town. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's like this reverend like... Got music, got like dancing band, like a temperance society. Yeah. Everybody knows you only drink when you dance. Well, that you know usually helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then in February of 1980, the junior class of Elmore's High School made national news when they requested permission to hold a junior prom, and it was granted. <laughs> the request to return the band in order uh, to hold the prom was met with a two-two decision from the school board. Whoa! Um, and then the school board president broke the tie with the words "Let him dance." <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. you reading that was already like more impactful than the entire movie. Yeah, I mean that Just would that be quote. that would be a funny movie where they have like a multi generational story of like it's yeah. it's in two time periods, like the late eighteen hundreds <laughs> and the eighties. We and, haven't like, danced for a hundred years. <laughs> we're not going to start now. Yeah, and then you see like the parallels over time. Yeah, there's got to be some pretty serious First Amendment problems with a ban on dancing. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that that can't be constant. It's like nobody bothered to like challenge it. Evidently, nobody wanted to dance years. that bad. Yeah, <laughs> so that is not sense. Um, so yeah, I think it has to be the strength of the of the soundtrack, and, and you know Kevin Bacon is popular. He's probably more popular in the eighties, so I think mm. that that is part of it too. But yeah. when how did Kevin Bacon rise to prominence? It was presumably before this movie, right? Like what what got him the name recognition? Uh, this is one of his early films because he okay. looks like he's actually a teen yeah. in this movie, versus the. Uh, Bad boyfriend who looks like he's forty five. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason Which we don't get like, like that many close ups of that guy. <laughs> very distracting. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was a John Mellencamp song at the beginning too. Oh yeah. Um it was one of the one of the good ones. Mellencamp has some good ones. Hurts um, Hurt So Good? I think it was Hurt So Good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's a good song. So I, yeah, if I had a guess I would say that that's that that's the reason. Um uh, <laughs> Oh, I was looking up Kevin Bacon. Um, I think this is one of his first like big movies, though. Okay. He was going to be in some horror movie, um, but I think he like screen tested for this and like 
they were they wanted Tom Cruise for this, mm. and they like didn't get him, um, so they ended up with like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, this would have been this was a good yeah. good Tom Cruise role, right? And then what they actually do is make make risky business, which is just way better than this for Tom Cruise. Mm. And yeah, that's a wild movie. Like risky business is crazier than people remember. Like that, I've that not movie. seen that one. No, that that's another one. one scene. That's yeah, that that's a good one. Um, so but yeah, put that on your list. All right. Um, all right, you want to hear some uh, bangers for Kevin Bacon? Absolutely. National Lampoon's Animal House, 1978. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh. Then it gets a little rocky. Um, Hero at Large, Friday the 13th. He's, I believe, killed in that movie. Um, Only When I Laugh, Guiding Light. He was in seven episodes, so he had an uh, arc there. Diner. Oh, Diner's good. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I would he see it. Diner's very good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the Demon Murder Case. What? TV movie. He plays Kenny Miller. Sure. And then uh, Footloose. Okay. Okay. So that's relatively early in his career. Yeah. Especially for a guy that made so many movies. He made a lot of movies. And continues to. Yeah. Um, and he's like great in everything. I've, I've liked Kevin Bacon and other things. I think I thought he was very bad here. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a really lazy phone performance from him. Because um, usually he, you know, brings it. Um, and yeah. Here I... I was very down on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I mean, that was probably colored by my distaste for this movie in general. Yeah, doesn't help. Yeah, does not help. Um, but speaking of that, the plot line with the forty-year-old boyfriend in the <laughs> in the truck—that so upsetting. It, it, that was so bizarre. It like really could have been wholesale edited out of the movie and made no, only improved it. No sense. Right. It it, it, feel, it felt like they sat down to make a teen movie and said like, oh, we need a rivalry between the new kid and, and some local or whatever. And just like pick random moments to insert this bullshit. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's it always the worst part of the, of whatever's going on is when that dude shows up. <laughs> just terrible. Even the Easy. tractor fight. Yeah, which where do they get a bunch of tractors? Tractors are expensive. I thought that as well. I was yeah. like, these are like you know hundred thousand dollar vehicles yeah. that they're like easily and like with. certainly yeah. somebody's livelihood right like, yeah. they, like you need that to make a living like driving an old pond right like and that's gonna wreck it like that thing is done yeah like, yeah I, I i thought that was really strange um that whole scene didn't work very well yeah also um when the guy jumps off the tractor the tractor easily could have rolled the other direction and just like Killed him. Fell on top of him. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. was like, "Oh my god!" Man. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, this movie plays with death in a few sequences. Like in that one where the guy almost falls on him. The opening sequence where Laurie Singer is like straddling those two cars, speeding down the highway towards a semi. Yeah. And like when Kevin Bacon gets his shoelace wrapped around some gizmo on the tractor and can't yeah. get out. It's like there are several sequences where people nearly die, and then you have like the, the brother actually dying off screen. Yeah. It's like. That's kind of grim, and they don't acknowledge it at all. It seems right. And it's like, oh, I almost, I almost died. That guy almost died. So did Laurie Singer, and everyone's just like, by the next scene, okay with it. Yeah. The fights are pretty gruesome too, right. as I said earlier. Yeah, the guy like, like almost gets beamed with a big old metal pipe. Yeah, yeah. a woman gets beaten up by a four-year-old man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. and none of that holds any gravity. There's no, no weight to any of it. It all just feels so meaningless, and like nobody gives a shit. And so then, of course, the audience doesn't give a shit. Right, like, yeah, come on. Yeah, it's this is a confusing movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That said, I think I'm, 
I, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again here. Watching the bad movies is, is good. Like, we should watch the bad movies. It's useful. Like, you understand why the good movies are good in contrast to movies like this. Well, I think it's just confusing that everybody likes it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah I have no explanation for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I did feel like when I was watching Dirty Dancing that it's like, oh, you know, all these movies are kind of like this, so it's pretty conventional, right? And so this made me appreciate Dirty Dancing this way, is, way better. Yeah, this is exactly my point. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. You, you see how it can be done wrong, and then you understand, like, what it takes to do it right yeah and like how difficult that actually is and like the amount of the the thought that has to go into constructing a story in a way that that resonates and yep. is efficient and is you know serves the audience and the characters well um and the, I, that's why i think we, we need to be doing the movie this. is like so dense with characters yeah there's a lot of people and it's confusing to track them too i think that's a major part of the structure of the film right because they don't know whose story they're trying to tell yeah. Right. Like, is this about Kevin Bacon and like converting this town from something bad to something good? He has like a second family that he's like living right. with. Is it that story? Uh, Who knows? Yeah. There's John Lithgow, but then there's also the like other really religious guy that's yes. like a part of his flock. Right. And yeah. then there's like Kevin Bacon's relationship with everybody at school. Yes. And then like the romance arc with Kevin Bacon and Laurie Singer, and then like the father-daughter thing with Laurie Singer and, and John the Lithgow. Sarah Jessica Parker relationship with the nice guy. With, with the nice guy, yeah. Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All there, of there's it. just so much stuff, yeah. like so many characters that should be condensed into Yeah, it. pick like two or three of those, or, or you need to make your movie like Nashville or something, just have like a million characters and we have the movie be like two and a half hours long. Yeah, and or like make them remarkable in some way. Right. And Lithgow. the reason like Lithgow stands out is because he's like so good. He's this. a great actor. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, multiple, multiple poor decisions here. Yeah. Um, any, any, I feel like I don't have much. We've beat this movie to death at this yeah. point. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think there's always so much to say here. I think, yeah, I think yeah, we got I it. I don't think we need to belabor the point. Um, yeah. I guess to close out, uh, is there anything we liked? Like, what was effective here? What, what, what was the high points? I don't know. I mean, as we said, there's some good songs. That's about it, right? <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, Lithgow. The Lithgow like, songs and Lithgow. are good. Yeah, Lithgow was good. I liked the diner sequence. Um, where uh, I don't even remember this. It was towards the beginning of the movie where Laurie where she Singer puts goes, on the music and she puts on the music at the diner and like oh I everybody... must have slept through this. Okay, it was one. It was yeah. cute. Like I thought that it was one of the sillier moments in this movie, and I thought that it was going in that direction because she like yeah. turns on some song on a on a cassette in <laughs> out of her car stereo yeah. at the in the parking lot of this diner. And like all of a sudden, everybody in the diner and the kitchen and in every car can hear it and starts like bopping along. And like I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. I like I, I get what this is doing. And then yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, they should they should have held on to that tone. It would right. have been fun. Right, it interesting. And I was like, I was with the movie during that sequence. Yeah. And then it like goes in another direction. So I like that. Like that works for me. Okay. Um, so we have something here. Um, in any case, uh, we'll be back in a moment with things we've seen. I'll see you soon. All right, we're back with things we've seen. This is when we talk about movies that we've seen recently, usually in theaters. Uh, Wilson. Okay, so I, I, I was a little late coming to this one, and it'll be really late by the time this episode yeah. is posted. Um, but I finally saw Midsummer, um, and I, I really enjoyed is it. Is it Midsummer or is it Midsummer? <laughs> they never actually, they say Midsummer in the movie, but it is spelled M I D S O M M A R. Yeah. And there really should have been an umlaut over that O. Like if you're going to 
have a weird spelling, like go yeah. for it, like do, do the thing. Yeah, uh, like the witch has the two V's. Like yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Um, so this is uh, Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, which came out last year. I want to say yeah, last year. Um, also a horror movie. Also like kind of the new horror art, art house style. So less on the jump scares, more on like the mood and creepiness and metaphor. Um, it stars uh, Florence Pugh as Danny, um, who is a girl who, at the beginning of the movie, her family is killed by through a murder suicide with her um, mentally unstable sister. Um, she was also in um, Fighting with My Family that came out this year, and uh, Lady Macbeth, which was grossly underwatched and a great movie. Um, more people should be watching Lady Macbeth. Uh, the hook is that she has a strained, unhealthy relationship with her boyfriend. He's neglectful and doesn't seem to really like her that much and is planning to break up with her when this tragedy strikes. Um, he is a grad student studying anthropology and he and his grad student friends are planning a trip to Sweden for the Midsummer Festival and the Danny character tags along. Um, from there, it turns out that unsurprisingly, the people running this Midsummer Festival are in like a weird cult. and you know, torture and death and strange rituals proceed from there. And Danny gets wrapped up to it, wrapped up in it, and it concludes with um, her being able to exact revenge on her boyfriend for really just being a shitty boyfriend. <laughs> Was he a part of the cult, or no? He's a, he's the grad student going there to study okay. the the midsummer people. Like one of the grad student people in their. Uh, entourage or what have you yeah. it grew up in this in this community and has left as part of the ritual um rum springer style excursion into the real world but they knew that this would happen though Th that that, that guy did okay cool yes that guy did. <laughs> right um I, I pieced this together through like four people explaining to <laughs> right i mean so. at this point like we're this movie has been out for a while yeah. <laughs> so you know the the spoiler gloves are off um it's a Beautiful movie to look at. It's truly gorgeous. I'm very glad that I, I got it it's in a, time. It's a horror in the daylight film. Horror in the well, daylight, we don't see that often, is, yeah. is very impressive and used to great effect. Mm -hmm. um, this movie has been discussed quite a bit in terms of it being about abusive relationships, about bad boyfriends, about a boyfriend's reaction to this being very telling <laughs> in terms of whether or not he thinks that the Christian character who is Danny's boyfriend in this movie deserves what he what ends up happening to him. Um, what I found striking, uh, it, not just in, beyond just the really truly gorgeous shots in this film, like it is very nice to look at, um, there is a lot of long wonders with a lot of activity in the background. So Ari Aster will set up these scenes such that, you know, characters are having a normal conversation about whatever weird shit is happening in this commune. But in the background, they'll, like, be doing some something weird and, like, nobody comments on it. So, like, there'll be some conversation about, like, you know, performing a ritual using weird Swedish language or they're, like, creating some sort of meat pie that has peculiar ingredients or they're harvesting something in a weird way and, like, you'll see this stuff like going on behind them and it's like all just a little bit off and the characters don't really pick up on it, but it is very interesting that he framed it that way. Mm -hmm. And it made me think that we're starting again to see more and more directors that are influenced by video games. Mm -hmm. right? I think we've, oh, we've already started to see that in action movies where we're getting more like first person perspective stuff or like over the shoulder stuff. 
this seemed like something that was specifically influenced by open world gaming, right? Where you'll you'll be the character wandering around in the world, and there'll be like some little you know vignette that happens as you pass by, or a little conversation that your character yeah. overhears, and that similar experience was called to mind in watching Midsummer. And Ari Aster is a younger director. I'm sure that he had had opportunity to play things like, I don't know, Baldur's Gate or other Bioware games, Skyrim, things like that. And I wonder if he was influenced by some of the, that media in his framing of these background sequences in Midsummer. Mm -hmm. It's all, all very striking. Um, as a movie, it's great. It really is one of the better things I've seen this year. There aren't any jump scares, if that is what gets you. There are some gory sequences, some like very striking gory sequences, but not outlandish, I don't think, or at least not you know too much. Like I was nervous about this movie, and I thought it was fine. Way, way funnier than I expected. <laughs> One of the funnier movies. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, it really, really is. Like I, I was not the only one laughing out loud during this movie um, in in my screening. So um, that was unexpected as well. Um, it's a it's an easy easy recommend for me. Um, nice. I, I think that if you're not into horror movies, this one can can still land for you. And if if you are, it it's, it, it will deliver. Um, so so go check it out. It's probably streaming by now. Uh, Midsummer by Ari Aster. Charles, what did you see? Uh, I saw Toy Story 4, um, so I'm not really sure what I expected going into this one since I felt like Toy Story 3 was fantastic and like a really good resolution to the arc and all that. Totally. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, I was a little worried, but I heard good things about this movie and it got pretty good reviews, so I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. And like, you know, the Toy Story characters are all dear to my heart, so why not? And I thought it was fine. Uh, I don't think I'm as emotionally like attached to it. Um, as I was for Toy Story, like, 1 and 3, right? I don't remember 2 very much, but Two's I remember great. 1 and 3 being a big deal for me. Um, this one, like, you know, not the same kind of resonance to it, but it was an enjoyable experience. Uh, it expands on the, like, toy universe in an interesting way. Um, so the plot of this is that uh, Woody is with... Woody and the whole toy crew are with the new, um, like, little girl that Andy had given them away to. And Woody is no longer, like, the favorite toy... Um, because it's no longer Andy anymore. Um, and so he kind of grapples with that. Um, and then the girl is struggling with going to school for the first time, and she's very shy and reserved and doesn't want to talk to anyone. <clears throat> so she ends up making a new toy out of, like, a spork and some, like, extra, like, arts and crafts stuff, right? But the spork, because it's, like, an unnaturally created toy, like, seems to really want to off itself because it thinks it's garbage, <laughs> It keeps trying to throw itself in the trash. And so Woody sees this as an opportunity to like assert himself uh, and protect the girl um, by like making sure that this spork that makes the girl so happy stays alive and like kind of does its job, right? And then they end up going on a road trip and that's how they end up at the carnival because the spork um, jumps out of the RV that they're in and Woody jumps out to chase him uh, to, to save him, right? And in doing so, um, they have like a kind of heart-to-heart -heart conversation and it convinces the spork of his usefulness um, to the girl and he kind of like, you know, gains like his purpose, I guess, in life or something like that. And uh, Woody ends up going into an antique shop where he finds Bo Peep, um, who had been given away in a previous movie or between movies or something like that. And so he tries to find her and now there's this element where he runs into Bo Peep and Bo Peep is now 
a toy without a kid and they talk about how some of the toys in that area don't have kids and they have to like make a living on their own and they're not attached to someone. Mm. And so this is kind of deal where like Woody is attached to a kid and he's always super loyal, but Bo Peep is very independent and like living a life for herself. Mm. Um, and there's some struggle there. Um, there's like a villain who's like the very, a very creepy doll um, who wants Woody's speech box so that cause her speech box is broken because she wants, and she wants the, fixed speech box to get uh, a girl's attention so that she can like have a kid right and okay be loved <laughs> this is wild <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't think it's quite as wild as it sounds yeah. um but um it was nice that the villain i guess this is a spoiler but like whatever yeah. uh it was nice that the villain ends up not really being a villain she just wanted to be loved um and woody ends up voluntarily giving her the speech box uh which i thought was kind of nice hmm. Um, it was kind of an optimistic twist, I guess, that she was just someone who's looking to to make it in life, I guess. Um, and yeah, uh, in the end, Woody ends up deciding that he wants to become an independent toy um, that's not attached to a kid and kind of goes to live life with Bo Peep. Um, so yeah, there were some good moments in this one. I thought it was an interesting story. It didn't necessarily tie into my experience the same way that the first three Toy Story movies did. Those were all timed very conveniently with where I was in life when I watched the movie, and so thus they were very like emotionally resonant to me. Here, um, it didn't really have that kind of connection, uh, but it's still a fun time. I think it's worth seeing, especially if you enjoyed the first three, if you enjoyed the characters. Yeah, I, I missed this one, but I've been, I want to catch up on it. It's it, it's hard to miss with yeah, Pixar. Yeah, are usually good. Yeah, I've only seen a few bad ones. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I will I will put it on the list. It was good. Anyway, Grossman, what did you see? I saw a Crawl. Oh, really? Okay. The uh, <laughs> alligator horror movie. Yeah, right. I remember. And uh, Crawl is very good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's a really good summer film. Um, our main character is a college swimmer. And she goes to college in Florida. I think she's a gator, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a incoming hurricane. Mm -hmm. uh, her sister lives out of town. She's like, can't get in touch with dad. Can you go uh, check on check on dad? So she goes to her childhood home. They're evacuating pre hurricane. Uh, her dad doesn't appear to be in the house anywhere, um, but then she notices that the uh, basement door is open mm -hmm. in a jar, and she goes downstairs. It's like a crawl space uh, <laughs> basement, <laughs> and um, she finds her father injured down there. He's been attacked by uh, an alligator, and um, when she tries to leave, the alligator kind of like traps her in mm -hmm. the basement. Um, and then the thrust of the movie is like her and her father like trying to figure out like how to get out of, of the basement. Well, um, but then as the, like the hurricane comes in, the like basement starts to flood mm -hmm. and more alligators enter because oh. there's actually a nearby alligator farm. <laughs> uh, and built on the alligator burial ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds goofy yes, and, and it is, but um, it, the effects are pretty good. Like the alligators look believable. Um, really? Because I heard one thing about this movie after it came out, and that was that the alligators didn't look good. Hmm. There's one kind of moment that I thought was like bad, but otherwise it was like pretty convinced that okay. 
there's generally an alligator there. Okay. Um, they're obviously digital. Right. But I felt convinced by the film that, mm -hmm. that they were there. Okay. And it's well acted. It's really hard to act against like digital creatures. And I think our main characters do a really good job mm -hmm. of that. It's very tense. Um, there's a lot of like little missions that they make for themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's always like the threat of an alligator. And there mm -hmm. are like real consequences in the film when interacting with the alligators. Um, so the, the movie does a good job of like ratcheting up the tension mm -hmm. where it's like, at first she's just like in the basement and you're like, ah, oh, like don't go down there. One <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And then by the, by the end of the film, it like, it's ratcheted up where you're like, oh, wow. Like, anywhere. Yeah. Cause like when it starts to flood and then yeah. like, there's like a rescue <clears throat> team that mm -hmm. is like trying to save them. Um, so the movie does a good job of like increasing the tension in ways that mm -hmm. is good. Like that's what you want to see in a movie like this. And um, the other thing that the movie does well is nobody, our main characters at least, make reasonable decisions for the okay. situation that they're in. So they're not okay. doing like horror movie stuff. Dumb shit. Yeah. Um, it is important that she is a D1 college swimmer. Uh, <laughs> but... I don't think the movie would like make sense without that. Like, you sure. need someone that would be really good at swimming to because gators in the water would just like destroy you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I like this movie a lot. I think it's it's very intense and mm -hmm. it's fun. It's like a really good like summer horror film. Nice. And I think it's done well at the box office. So yeah. I wouldn't be yep. surprised if we saw a crawl sequel. again. Crawl yeah, <laughs> crawl to you. Crawl harder. Crawl harder. <laughs> um, it is, uh, there are like kind of gory things that happen in the film. Um, is it R-rated? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a hard R. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. yeah, there are people that do get killed by alligators oh, in this film. Yeah. And in graphic ways. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what that's you're why saying. That's signing what you're, up. Yeah. yeah, that's why you're going to this one. Uh, and in like semi-realistic ways, because like the when gators like attack people, they like roll in the water to like Whoa. disorient their prey. And we see that like a few times and it's like, cool. whoa, it's like badass. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Crawl was good. I liked Crawl a lot, actually. Okay. When so, I, I remember from the trailer, which I saw many, many times, um, they have many like, times. <laughs> so many times, but they have like this, like a sound effect, like this dripping sound effect that was really arresting and like memorable. The sound design is good yeah. and they do a good job of bringing in, um, uh, croc or alligators have like a kind of rumbling mm -hmm. uh, sound that they make. Yeah. Um, I guess a roar is how to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, They're basically dinosaurs, so yes. they are. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool because like you like you hear them like in the background, and she's like trying to sneak around, mm -hmm. and like the, yeah, it's very like tense, like very good use of sound. It's a very like physical film. Okay. Um, like you really feel the weight of things like crashing into each other and the um like it's wet like everything is like dripping and wet mm -hmm. and like there's like a grossness kind of like similar to alien or aliens yeah. um and they play off that really well like they're in the like down the mud and like sure. injured and yeah it's it's good i really like this film i think it's a great summer film actually yeah, right on yeah. sounds awesome thumbs up for crawl Cool. Uh, my pick? Yeah, yep. your pick next week. All right, great. Um, so I want to watch my own private Idaho. This is Gus Van Zandt. We're in the middle mm -hmm. of this Keanu renaissance, and this was <laughs> one, one of his early 
um, early, well-regarded movies that I, I have not seen, um, and I've always, I've been meaning to for a very long time. I've seen I don't know if I've ever seen a River Phoenix movie. Um, I don't think I he have. didn't make many. He did right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I want to fill that hole in my filmography as well. So uh, so that's my pick. It's uh, my own private Idaho. Um, thank you for listening. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it with people. Please tell folks about it. Um, it really does make a difference. We're on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud. Um, and iTunes and Google Play and various other platforms. Um, and we'll see you next week for My Own Private Idaho.